This is Passing for Normal, conversations with authors, artists, activists, and awakeners about how they are seeding change in the world. I'm Sharon Weil, author of Donnie and Ursula Save the World, the funniest book about love, sex, and GMO seeds you'll ever read. But mostly, it's about everyday courage and what it takes to get there in your own personal, even unconventional way. So join us for fun and insightful discussion with some very inspirational people about how to turn purpose and passion into action, while at the same time, passing for normal. Hello. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with the now writer, speaker, and activist awakener, Paul Loeb. Paul Loeb has spent 40 years researching and writing about citizen responsibility and empowerment asking what makes some people choose lives of social commitment while others abstain. His beginnings in grassroots peace activism against the Vietnam War not only compelled his own involvement, but began his questioning and inspiring others to take action through the stories of others and the stories of his own. Paul is the author of five widely praised books. For our discussion, I want to especially mention two the newly revised Soul of a Citizen, which aims to inspire citizen activists, and also revised The Impossible Will Take a Little While, an anthology of the achievements of activists in history who faced enormous obstacles. It was named number three political book of 2004 by the History Channel and the American Book Association, and won the Novelist Book Award for the Best Social Change Book of the Year. In 2008, Paul founded and coordinated the Campus Election Engagement Project, a nonpartisan effort which helps 500 colleges and universities enroll 3 million students to engage with the election. This program grew even larger in 2012, and he is currently on the road right now, engaging even more students in this important off-year election. Paul has written countless articles, lectured at hundreds of colleges and universities, and conducted over 1,000 TV and radio interviews, inspiring the courage to follow your heart and take necessary action on behalf of necessary change. I'm thrilled to have this perhaps be 1,001. Welcome, Paul. Hey, very glad to be here. I'm so glad to be talking to you. Really, you are such an inspiration and have been such an inspiration for people to take action for so many years. So, Paul, this show is about how we see change in the world. And the show seeks to inspire listeners to become change makers in large or small ways. And this is the work you've been doing pretty much all your life. Why do, pe- yeah, why do people get involved in making change? Well, I think people feel a couple of things. They feel there's, this, there's an issue that calls them. Something is wrong. Something could be better. Um, oftentimes, they personalize it. That is, they, you know, they view it less as the abstraction, but it's something is affecting this person, this community, an environmental area, this river. And that allows them to do that. And I think coupled with that is a required sense of possibility that says that what they can do matters. And probably most of the reason people don't act more for change is, in fact, because they don't think their actions matter. So, um, so, so, so basically, the um, the sense of can, in fact, my actions make a difference is really central. I, I, when people don't have it, I, I call it the hinge of powerlessness. It, it, it really makes them feel like you know there's just nothing I can do, so therefore it's not worth it. Why break my heart? 
and both in Soul of a Citizen and Impossible will take a little while, and in all the projects I do, that's a, that's a core part of that. I'm just trying to address that and, and, and overcome it. That's right. You know, we live in a world that um, is so overwhelming. Just, you know, the level of information, the amount of situations that could use our help. Um, I imagine that, that this, just this sense of overwhelm paralyzes people. Well, sure, because you hit all of it. I mean, you know, it's like, here's climate change. It's so huge. And then, you know, here's an economy sliding, just, you know, where people are struggling and struggling to survive. And then you get up Ebola, and, you know, they just get around that. And, and it just, it, it's, it's much, I think it's harder almost in an interconnected world as we live in right now, because so much is coming at us. And it's just so easy to feel like, gee, you know, go into the borough. You know, well, you don't turn it off. You distract yourself. You know, go over and you know, follow your sports team. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not immune to that myself. But yes. <laughs> just look at anything but what's actually going on. But, but, but even more than that, I think, um, and there's certainly there's a large number of people who will sort of follow what's going on, but actually try and do anything about it. That's a little bit mm-hmm. different. And, mm-hmm. and that's a bigger step. Um, I mean, I was just when I was reading this is, the prior election, one of the sort of political blogs, and they're trying to get their people to uh, participate and do phone calls. And it was an astounding, yeah, which, which, which matters, which actually can shift an election if enough people do it. I, it's, it's, it's a sort of straightforward formula that the number of people you reach, a certain number of them will participate, and you get a certain a close enough election. And I remember once when I knocked on doors, got three votes on one day, and this is Washington State Governor, and uh, the margin was 134 votes. So this stuff really does matter, and yet the percentage of people on this very political blog was tiny, who actually, they're trying to get more, of course, but it was tiny, and it was like, well, for the rest of them, they're spending their time, they're reading about this stuff, they're cheering on their team, and... Are they doing anything? Oh, maybe some of them are. Maybe it's, you know, through other channels. Uh, I mean, it's safe to assume. But, but it still really struck me. And, and it just is like, okay, we have to actually find ways to act. Uh, because otherwise, just feeling like you're on top of things because you follow the news, it, it doesn't really change anything. That's right. So what, so what are the steps? How do you go from raising awareness or being aware to actually taking a step. How does that work? Well, I think, yeah, you take it, in Soul of a Citizen, I talk about taking things step by step. That Which I love. That suddenly you don't jump in and become, have to become super activist all at once. And one of the, cha- the notions that challenges this notion called the perfect standard, which is the idea that you have to do this just absolutely, impossibly eloquent, confident, a knowledgeable person who nobody ever could be, and I use I use the story of Gandhi, uh, his his grandson. I mean, Gandhi yeah. talks about how Gandhi's family basically mortgaged everything they had to send him to law school, their land, their jewelry, you know, their whole hopes are riding on him. He gets out of law school, he graduates, and when he gets up in court, he is so intimidated, he's literally tongue-tied, can't get a yeah. sentence out, loses his case. This happens again and again and again, and they don't know what to do. They finally, there's somebody they know who's got like a case in South Africa, and they sort of send him off there and hope that that'll change things. And he kind of literally and metaphorically um, regains his voice in the struggle against what became called apartheid. And it's not to say that I mean he didn't have you know permanent laryngitis or something like that. I mean he yes. could talk, but suddenly in that public moment he froze, 
And so I love that story because it says even Gandhi, when he started, is completely intimidated and shy and tongue-tied. And, sure. and, you know, and then he changes and, and this is where he ends up. But you've got to be able to jump in and not feel like, oh, you need to know everything, you need to be perfect, or all the rest of that, because this is just never going to happen. And everybody, we, all the giants of history, they, they also started in these sort of you know, relatively modest steps and then something leaps. And so I think for all of us, you know, it's finding that, it's finding a community. I use the words of both, in both the impossible will take a little while and solo a citizen. Um, I use the Rosa Parks story and as an example of the myths of the sort of lone superhero because the image is that she comes out of nowhere, but in fact she's part of this community with the NAACP. She's been at it for a dozen years. She's taken training sessions at this uh, Highlander Center in, in, in uh, Tennessee to meet with other civil rights activists. And so instead of the image of the lone hero, what you see is somebody who jumps in and the very, very radical triggering action is going to a meeting, which anybody of us could do, you know, or calling people to go to a meeting. Um, that's or taking notes on the meeting because she was the secretary of the NAACP chapter. Anybody could do that. And so what we have to do is to be able to jump in in those sort of more accessible places, and then, then we don't really know where our involvement is going to grow. That's right. That's right. We don't know where it's going to come from or who's going to join with us or where we're going to find support. And, and the who's going to join with us is really important because, like, if I trace Rosa Parks back, we know that her husband, Raymond Parks, founded the NAACP chapter in Montgomery, so he was obviously an influence on her. But what we don't know is who influenced him because, you know, people write about her and they don't write about him, except mm -hmm. in the shadows. So uh, we could be a person bringing in the next Rosa Parks. Um, and, 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 I mean, the impossible will take a little while. I talk about Václav Havel, the former... Czech president talks about um, how they, they're trying to free some political prisoners and everybody's mocking them and saying, you know, this is not going to do any good. And then he's writing about seven years later, still under the dictatorship. So he's writing in 86 and it falls in 89 with the other Eastern Bloc communist dictatorships. And, and he says, well, you know, we didn't free the prisoners, but the people who we were in jail, they knew we were out there, that helped them keep going. And said, even more important, uh, the people who started signing these petitions, that was the first step towards speaking out as you know, free human beings, but it certainly wasn't their last step, and they've gone on to do all these other things to challenge the regime. So it's, again, you start in one place, and then something builds, and I think that's true for all of us. That's right, you never know. You never know. You, you just don't know. Exactly. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. And especially when you, um, you know, when you gather with others and where that, and where all, where, how you're going to influence one another and where that is going to take you. Um, yeah, exactly. And I, you know, yeah, and so I so like, you know, how you're talking, because a lot, it seems like a lot of the involvement that you've had and a lot of the involvement that you inspire is at a grassroots level. Absolutely. But you're talking about, you know, how to, how to begin begin small and, and uh, either stay small or grow large. And, you know, this idea that everyone matters or everyone can matter. I think so many people, like you say, don't believe that they matter. You know, part and of it is like they're, 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 that their actions are too insignificant. Again, I go back to this, this one day, you know, I'm canvassing in this election in Washington State, I knock on, I, I have a standard voter list, so I'm just walking the doors and knocking on it. 
knocking on the doors, and one person forgets it's election day, and one person doesn't have to with an absentee ballot, and another needs a ride of the polls. Just totally standard stuff. But if 50 people like myself had stayed home, there would have been a different governor for my state. And, 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 and that's how our actions have an impact, is, is multiplied by each other. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not always as straightforward and linear and mathematical as, as it was in this case as in an election. But it's certainly true that, um, you know, that, that our actions are always adding up, and that is how they matter. That's right, and I believe that everyone wants to make a contribution in this world that everyone wants to do work that is meaningful to them and that wants to, um, wants to really uh, uh, see the world reflect who, what their values are, just like yeah. everyone wants to be loved and to love. Right? Absolutely. And you, also, yeah, and you also don't know, like you don't know when you're acting on anything what it's going to trigger. So there's a story in the, the, the Impossible will Take a Little While, um, originally came out in 2004, won those lovely awards, and it's, out, it's been out ever continually. But I did a new edition that came out this last spring, late spring. Yes. And one of the the, the sections it's an anthology of political hopes. So it has just these wonderful different people. I mean, everybody from Nelson Mandela and uh, Tony Kushner and uh, Jonathan Kozel, Pablo Neruda, Alice Walker, Maya Angelou, I mean, Howard Zinn. Just basically all my favorite writers. Yes. You know, I just went to the shelves and it's like, okay, this person, that person, that person, that person, that person, you know, these are the people who inspire me. And one of the pieces that, that's new is, because I did added quite a number of them, um, is this wonderful piece by Mary Piper, who people may know as a, she's a best-selling psychologist on um, adolescent girls, did this book Reviving Ophelia and this book on uh, uh, another country on sort of aging that I've given probably, yes. you know, more of more of my friends than any book I can think of. Yes, that's right. I mean, demographic of aging people are dying parents. And, um, my dead stand, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and she's interesting because she's not by nature a political activist. She's somebody of strong ethical values, but she's not an organizer by temperament. And when the Keystone Pipeline, she lives in Nebraska, so it came through Nebraska, and they and everyone sort of thought it was a done deal. I mean, they just lined up all the, you know, yes. gave the money to every single elected official to pretend, in the route to potentially rent their front porch or backyard or whatever. I mean, not quite bribery, but just basically it is. And they bought up all the airtime. And, yeah, this, everybody knows it's going to happen. And then they didn't know, she didn't know what to do, so she does this very radical action of holding a potluck. And gets three or four friends, and they have some good food, and they talk, and they don't really, you know, it's not like they have a magic solution, but they think, well, you know, maybe, maybe we can make something happen. And then they do another one, they bring in some more folks, and then they start reaching out in the towns and communities, and they find this guy named Randy Thompson, who's just this rock ribbed Republican looks, rancher, looks like John Wayne, and his response to the, um, the TransCanada, the company pushing the, the pipeline is, I will not be bullied. This land has been in my family, and I'm not going to sell it to you folks. And, um, and so they make life-size cutouts of him, and they make him the symbol of the phrase, I will not be bullied, and stand, well, I stand with Randy. And then it just starts growing, and then at a certain point, there's a, you know, it was a Cornhuskers football game, and I think there's 80,000 people in the stadium, and of course the Trans-Canada ad flashes on the Jumbotron, and the stadium erupts into booze. And suddenly this is not going according to plan. Yeah. And, you know, because of that, 
in part, you know, other national groups get inspired to feel like maybe they actually can stop it. And so the national environmental groups are organizing, and I think it was either 11 or 1,300 people got arrested at the White House pressuring Obama, many of them in their Obama gear. And, you know, you look at all of it, and what you end up with is um, you, you end up with um, this, you know, very significant movement that, you know, so far, we don't know the, the ultimate story, but so far it's delayed it for, I think it's four years now, and, and that's very significant. So, uh, to me, it's, it's an example of how just, you know, when you act, you just don't really know where it's going to lead. That's right. That's right. So, in both of the books that we're talking about, you, um, you employ hope. Quite a lot, well, and you inspire hope. Well, yeah, yeah, address it and employ it. Yeah. So what? So what is the role of hope in all of well, this? Well, I would say that the impossible will take a little while. That actually is its subject fairly directly. Yes. So, uh, and so it weaves in and out. Um, but I think the role of it is this: it's Václav Havel, I've mentioned, the former Czech president and leader of their democracy movement. He uses this phrase that, that um, and he says this: hope is not the same thing as optimism. It's not the same. It's not prognostication. It's not saying, "Oh, this is going to turn out as I want." It's this deep-rooted sense that something is possible, which is very different from saying the world's going to end up the way we want it to. So that's right. I'm, I look at that, and it's interesting because when I because the impossible is an anthology, I had to go through and edit out because like there were twenty different essays that were quoting Havel, and I was like, okay, um, yeah, I agree, this makes lots of sense, except I've already quoted him five times. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but I think that that is that's the. I fact it's actually I know one of your guests earlier you mentioned is my dear friend John Weeks, who does right. activism on on complementary and alternative medicine. And, you know, the Havel quote we said has just been extremely important in his life because you're looking at something and sometimes the, sometimes the current goes with you, sometimes you feel like um, everything's rolling, and sometimes it isn't. And you've got to be able to be acting in both cases. Um, you know, you can't, just, you can't just act in easy times. And so to me, the hope is what carries us, and it is a sense that our actions matter even in the situations where it seems like we're facing setbacks and defeats. That's right. And it really is an engagement of the heart. I mean, and it the is an engagement of the heart. That's right. And sometimes I feel like, you know, when we're looking at, uh, you know, why people take action, they don't take action, or the fear of disappointment, right? The fear of right. failure just in the way that you might be afraid to, to approach a... Uh, someone you're attracted to or someone that you, you know, have hopes of, of joining up with in some way. And will it happen? Will it be possible? Will they like me? Will this work? Right? It's the sure. same. Will I get rejected? I mean, it's just, you have to, you have to be vulnerable. I mean, it's just, it's, um, I mean, we were talking in my election project just a couple of weeks before the election, uh, we had our state calls and we're doing, the more, the more developed states are doing phone banking to get the students out. And um, and they were saying, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get people. And I said, yeah, it is, because people feel, like, intimidated and, you know, I'm going to actually have to call somebody and that makes it me vulnerable. And it's like you just sort of have to do it. And then after a while it gets so easy. Maybe it never gets completely, you know, so easy as to not even be worth a thought, but it certainly gets easier. And at that point, I think, 
you know, in any of this work, the more you do it, things that will be, and the phrase I use is sort of feeling like leaping the Grand Canyon on a tricycle, um, then they, they, they can be straightforward. Oh, yeah, I've done this before. I can do this. Yeah, yeah. The, um, my book, uh, Dawn and Earthless Save the World, really is my attempt at my own personal activism. And so many of the, um, the steps that you describe in terms of somebody becoming an activist, taking a step, taking an action on this case on behalf of, um, of food, you know, and, and building awareness about GMOs. But um, in the book, I talk about lovers and rebels coming from the same courageous heart. That it's the yeah, same. It's a willingness really to be, to, to open your heart and, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You may be disappointed, but, um, but you're still going to give it a try. That's right. And even, you know, and most of the time we are acting on behalf of something rather than against something. A lot of times it seems like we're coming up against something, but really the true inspiration is on behalf of this river that we love, on behalf of our family, on behalf of justice, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that, that, that underscores in, in both Soul of a Citizen and the Impossible will take a little while. Is that people may be, I mean, they're motivated by anger, sure, because, you know, there's things we ought to be angry about. But they're motivated by something beyond that, which is really a sense of, you know, human dignity and respect and just kind of what a world that, that people should be living in. That's right. That's right. Um, I love um, how at the end of your book, Soul of a Citizen, you actually list 10 suggestions for effective citizen engagement. So you actually list out 10 things or 10 steps that people can, um, can do or remember as they're, um, as they're getting brave. Right, right. Well, it's kind of a funny story. So um, that one also had, uh, that one came out in 1999, and then in 2010 I did a new edition and kind of updated a bit since. And, you know, it's got about 150,000 copies out there, so it's really hit a nerve. And there was this uh, wonderful, speaking at a school in Florida that was using, uh, actually they were using both books. They were using Soul of a Citizen with their, um, their freshmen, I think, and then Impossible with their seniors, something or juniors and seniors, I can't remember. But in any case, they um, yeah, they were using very thoroughly, and students loved the book. Um, and there was this rabbi who was teaching as an adjunct, and um, he was the one who said, well, you should do the Ten Commandments of Activism. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to play God. I mean, it's the Ten Commandments. That's, that's a little above my pay grade. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could do Ten Suggestions. Um, and, and so that's, that was the origin of them. Yeah, they're, they're, um, I mean, you could even read them if you want. I don't know. They're, they're good suggestions. Well, I have them right here in front of me. Or yeah. do, do you have them in front of you? Cause I, I do, do actually, that. yeah. Okay, please tell us what they are. Okay, um, start where you are. Number one is start where you are. You don't need to know everything, and you certainly don't need to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Two is take things step by step. You set the pace of your engagement. Don't worry about being swallowed up because you'll determine how much you get involved. Build supportive community. You can accomplish a lot far more with even a small group of people than you can alone. Be strategic. Ask what you're trying to accomplish, where you can find allies, and how to best communicate the urgencies you feel. Enlist the uninvolved. They have their own fears and doubts, 
so they won't participate automatically. You have to work actively to engage them. If you do, there's no telling what they'll go on to achieve. Seek out unlikely allies. The more you widen the circle, the more you'll have a chance of breaking through the entrenched barriers to change. Persevere. Change most often takes time. The longer you continue working, the more you'll accomplish. Savor the journey. Changing the world shouldn't be grim work. Take time to enjoy nature, good music, good conversation, whatever else lifts your soul. Savor the company of good people working for change. Think large. Don't be afraid to tackle the deepest rooted injustices and tackle them on a national or global scale. Listen, finally, listen to your heart. It's why you're involved to begin with. It's what will keep you going. So those are my suggestions. They're great suggestions. You could even you could even turn them into commandments. Um, yeah, somebody else could. <laughs> somebody else will. Okay, um, that's just great, and it's such a great summation of the book. And uh, each of those steps are uh, both very specific and also very freeing. In um, in that uh, they are uh, you know bite sized and um, and uh, will lead you to a deeper involvement. And they're so all, Paul, they're both, in yeah. both, they're both all in all cases are really rooted in the stories as well. I mean, because that's, that's right. That's what embodies the work. Well, in both of these books, and in, you know, in much of your work, I love how you uh, bring uh, how you bring forward other people's stories to um, to inspire, to instruct us. Um, it's really uh, it's wonderful. So in the few minutes that we have left, the time has gone very quickly, in the few minutes that we have left, I would love if you could tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and connect with well, you. Would, the, easiest website to go, the easiest website to spell is theimpossible.org. <laughs> and that's, that goes to, I mean, it's the one for the impossible will take a little while, but you can then link to both books and all the work on it. Uh, but theimpossible.org is, you know, easy to spell and... Yeah. The one, there's also one with my full name, but you try and spell it, you're going to end up in the wrong place. So half the time. So, so that's the one I suggest, and it's I pretty much have everything I do up there. So um, uh, you know, I, th- I think people can get a good glimpse of it. That's wonderful. And right now, um, I know that by the time this airs, the election will have passed us. But right now, you're very still very involved with uh, with the election. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this national nonpartisan election project that I've got working, I mean, we're, we've got staff on the ground in 20, 21 states. We've got partnerships with three or four more states. We put out, we create nonpartisan candidate guides that um, they're up on Huffington Post. I mean, it just, it's, it's, it's sort of turned into this rather large operation. And, and uh, <laughs> um, you know, it, I, it's kind of, an example, I guess, of the kinds of things that I write about, which is you do something and you just don't know where it's going to lead. But I do know that, you know, we've, over the last several cycles, you know, we've probably, you know, I would say in some ways, probably delivered, you know, hundreds, you know, more than, you know, several hundred thousand or more students have voted because of what we did, because um, we helped the schools get them engaged. And, and, and I hope that carries over institutionally in their lives. And, you know, and then with the school. So it's, it's, uh, if you want to check it out, it's campuselect.org or just put in Campus Election Engagement Project and they'll go to it. Great. Fantastic. Well, Paul, I thank you so much for speaking with me today and, um, and uh, sharing with the listeners um, all about how they can be involved. Oh, well, my yeah. pleasure. Yeah. And I think, you know, the final thing we have maybe one more so 
and left. And just to remember that this is, you know, which I have to remind myself, this is work that should be, it doesn't have to be grim. I mean, if you, if you look at someone like Desmond Tutu, I mean, just, you know, all he's been up against in his life, huge amount of all that he's taken on. And then if you ever have a chance to hear him, he's just the most delightful person, and he's laughing, and he's joking, and he's teasing. And, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, there's a event in Los Angeles, the first time I met him, and people, he gives this talk, he wasn't feeling well that night. Uh, other people speak, and then the music starts playing, and there he is, just up and dancing, this Nobel Peace Prize winner. And I'm just thinking, yeah, that's, that's what you learn from a Nobel Peace Prize winner. You know, you have that prophetic voice, you keep speaking out as much as you possibly can, and then you remember to dance. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> remember to dance. I think that's a great way. That's a great ending. Okay, Paul, so thank you so much. Oh, my and, pleasure. Um, keep on keeping on. Absolutely, you as well. Okay, yeah. and I will, be, uh, I will be giving out copies of your book to everyone I see. Well, it actually makes a really good holiday gift. Um, it's... Uh, I mean, you know, soul is the soul of a citizen. The overview of change, the impossible takeover, while is the kind of kaleidoscope chorus of voices from all around the world, and uh, both of them, um, people are just you know, they give them to their friends, and their friends are very grateful. So that's right. <laughs> very, very inspiring book. All right. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye now. This has been passing for normal conversations about seeding change in the world. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to PassingForNormal.com. That's Passing, numeral 4, Normal.com. Donnie and Ursula Save the World is available in paperback, Kindle, and soon to be an audiobook at DonnieAndUrsula.com. So go out and do something brave today. M. Earth and I thank you.